welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemper Oper in Dresden, Germany. Simon Neal is back this week to discuss the Robert Louis Stevenson text, The Vagabond. We talk about the problem with L's and R's, dealing with pianissimi, and why we should sing pure Italianate vowels in every language. I'll also talk about a phonetic concept for unstressed eyes that was sent to me by a listener, the schwi. Last week, I talked a little about legato singing, both in my opening and with Simon, and I wanted to finish up that conversation by talking about something that comes up far too often, what I call schlurping. Now, I may have said this word before because it's one of my favorite words to use, and I probably say it almost as often as I say genau. Schlurping is my word for any unintentional scooping and sliding between notes. Generally, it starts from a well-meaning intention. Maybe your teacher asked you to portamento between two notes in an effort to get a better legato, but are you sure that what you're doing is actually a portamento? A conductor once said to me, a portamento needs three things. It needs to be very late, it needs to be very fast, and it needs to have vibrato. This summer, I encountered quite a lot of people who started a portamento off a high note almost as soon as they started the note. <laughs> now remember, we only go to see opera to hear high notes. The rest of the opera is what we sit through to hear the pretty high notes. So when you get them, stay on the high note and don't come down before the conductor starts looking at his watch and getting grumpy with you. And because you're waiting until that last second, it'll have to be fast in order to catch the next beat on the next note. As for the vibrato part of it, if your portamento doesn't have vibrato, it's no longer a portamento but a slide. Slides in music are something we notice immediately because it comes out of the line senza rancor or senza rancor. The portamento has a certain level of pathos and emotion that a slide just can't begin to convey. Another type of slurping is when the support stops the consonants fall out of line, and in order to get to the next note, a singer has to give an extra push to get their breath moving again, so they slide up to the next note. Now this brings us back to our breath support, but it also has to do with being specific when singing consonants. Usually, we ignore the pitch when we sing consonants, which is what allows the breath support to drop, because for that split second we're not really singing. So rather than letting everything go, make sure that all voiced consonants actually have a pitch in them, preferably one of the two pitches that surround it, and that unvoiced consonants are prepared for a pitch. If the mouth is prepared for the next vowel, the consonant will stay in line. If we forget that we're singing for that one moment, it takes a lot of energy to bring the voice back up to the front of the mouth, and because of that, we tend to start the pitch a little lower and slide up to the actual pitch we mean to sing. That's a slurp, and it should be avoided in classical music at all costs. Last week and this week, Simon and I talked a lot about singing consonants, and in discussing this topic with my friend Karen Bandelow, who's been on some of the German episodes of the podcast before, she reminded me to say that consonants should not be made with tension. When we say spit out the consonants, we don't mean press your lips, tongue, jaw into an unnaturally tight position. That's counterproductive to clear diction. The lips and the tongue are articulators, and it doesn't take much for them to come together to make a consonant. What we really mean is for you to keep the air moving through the consonants so that they come out of your mouth rather than getting trapped and unsaid inside the mouth. 
That doesn't require excess tension, just a consistent airflow. The best way I know to be sure to avoid all these traps is to follow the seven steps to learn music, which you can find on the blog page. By separating the melody from the text and rhythm, you can check that the breath is flowing constantly and properly on every single note. By separating the text from the melody and rhythm, you can practice keeping the consonants in line without the added stress of pitches and timing. By putting the two things together with no rhythm, you have the time to be sure that each note and word has all of your attention and isn't accidentally scooping up or falling out of the line. Remember, if you can't do it slowly, you can't do it quickly. So slow things down and get them absolutely correct before trying to speed them up. It'll be so much faster in the long run. You can find the seven steps to learn music and the link for the text today at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. Simon and I started talking generally about the Vagabond before we started the real interview, and I wanted to include part of that here because we refer to it later. But he also talked to me about pure Italian vowels, so don't be surprised when you hear the conversation make a quick change. I want to hear the punctuation. I don't want, even on my train track, on my bagpipe drone, <laughs> I want to hear the comma and I want to hear the punctuation in the phrase because that's what the poet wrote. Exactly. He wrote the punctuation for a reason. Yeah. So I need to hear that. But also I want to know that it's through written as a, as a poet. So I want to hear that the voice doesn't tail off. You might not have anything to sing, yeah. but you have to energise the gaps. Yes. And so it's got to be dot, 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 dot. So give to me the life I love, comma. Yes, okay, but it's not give to me the life I love, Stop. comma. <laughs> Is it? You know, it's no. give to me the life I love, und was, in German. You know, exactly. what, what? Let the late go by me. And then give to me the jolly heaven above and the byway nigh me. Exactly. I mean, I think... And there we don't, there he wouldn't actually need a comma. If there weren't one there, it would still be all one sentence. Give the jolly heaven above. Well, we'll get on to that. I know you've talked a lot about you know, your phonetic writing of the thing. Mm -hmm. But I do try, when I'm singing something in English, to work out what would be the Italian vowel. Mm -hmm. In fact, I do that when, in whatever language I'm singing in. What is the Italian vowel? Yeah, exactly. Because I want to sing pure Italian vowels, whatever the language, because I think it's best for my voice. Yeah. Some of them, obviously, some of the vowels are neutral. With English, there are lots of these sort of neutral sort of sounds. Exactly. But there are lots of places where you can sing pure Italian vowels. Mm -hmm. And I think you should. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when I hear recordings of Pavarotti and, and uh, singing stuff in English, yeah. and there's lovely him doing New York, New York. Have you heard that? No. It's a, it's a bit stop, pespare, ding the news. But it's a little <laughs> bit like that. But certain words he sings are just so perfect because he sings it with such an open vowel. Yeah. And I think that you, I think my first sort of port, port of call in most English is to say, okay, where can I sing pure Italian vowels? Yeah. What is really an air? What is really an ah here? What is really an, an e? Yeah. Good old simple vowels. And, and the idea of, you know, that keep it simple, stupid exactly. concept goes a long way. Well, it's going back to the chamomile dens of the world. I mean, that's well, you, know, you learn that first. What I would say is that, you know, I'm now being professional singer for quite a while uh, we're doing this hensa here uh-huh every night before the performance i'll be warming up on karami ben fabulous that's what i warm up on 
because it gets my voice in the right place, it keeps it in the right place throughout the whole song. Mm -hmm. It's got a couple of tricky little turns where you also need to keep the voice in the right place. Yeah. And it is nectar for the, for the technique. Yeah. And uh, I do that and maybe I do two side. You don't have to say, okay, I'm going to work on my technique and I'm going to pick up the hardest diary in the book to do that with. <laughs> no, pick up something that's straightforward. And if you want to try and fix anything with your voice, if you can sing Kawa Mio Ben and you can sing Tulo Sai, for example, if you can sing those two things perfectly, you're pretty doing pretty well. Exactly. Amarilli, Mia Bella, all of these all of those, Italian songs. They're fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And anyone, any student, any singer should be doing those and should be able to sing those really well. Yeah. Record yourself singing Kawa Mio Ben, then sing Give to Me the Life I Love. If the two are consistent with each other, then you're on the right track. Exactly. If you suddenly have to change your voice production and change the way you're singing, basically to sing English against Italian, you're doing it wrong. I've talked before about the importance of having a daily warm-up that gets us all grounded and back to basics. So I was really glad to hear Simon talk about it from a very practical singer's point of view. If you want to keep a good legato and a good connection consistently between all the vowels, then build that into your daily warm-up with something like these 24 Italian art songs. We don't learn them first because they're simple. We learn them first because they require a good technique in order to sing them well. And Simon's absolutely right. We have to keep coming back to the idea of pure vowels no matter what language we're singing in. That's part of the reason that I advocate singing a bright ah in English, even though technically it doesn't exist in the language. And why I always talk about which phonetic letter the schwa is close to in every language. Even with a neutral vowel like a schwa, if we remember that in English it's close to an ah, then we have a pure vowel to come back to. And in this song, for example, we can almost sing give to me the life instead of give to me the life. The slightly brighter schwa will allow the ah of life to brighten up as well. This goes back to what I keep saying. Approach your native language as a foreign language when it comes to lyric diction. Robert Page, my old chorus teacher at Carnegie Mellon University, always said to us, we don't sing speech. We sing sounds that come out sounding to the audience like speech. Try finding the pure vowel that's closest to the phonetic letter you're trying to sing, and then see how close you can get to that pure vowel and still come out sounding right. You'll be surprised sometimes how pure a vowel you can get away with even with the crazy open and neutral vowels we have in the English language. Our text for today is The Vagabond, the first poem in Robert Louis Stevenson's Songs of Travel, and the first song in Vaughan Williams' song cycle of the same name. Born in Edinburgh, Scotland, Stevenson originally studied engineering, but he enjoyed his travels to see his family's engineering works mainly because they were a great source of material for writing so he switched to that as a career. He became a literary celebrity in the 19th century, probably most famous nowadays for his novels Treasure Island and The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Give to me the life I love, let the lade go by me. Give the jolly heaven above and the byway nigh me. Bed in the bush with stars to see, bread I dip in the river. There's the life for a man like me. There's the life forever. Let the blow fall soon or late. Let what will be o'er me. Give the face of earth around and the road before me. 
Wealth I seek not, hope nor love, nor a friend to know me. All I seek the heaven above and the road below me. Or let autumn fall on me, where afield I linger, silencing the bird on tree, biting the blue finger. White as meal the frosty field, warm the fireside haven. Not to autumn will I yield, not to winter even. Let the blow fall soon or late, let what will be o'er me. Give the face of earth around, and the road before me. Wealth I ask not, hope nor love, nor a friend to know me. All I ask, the heaven above, and the road below me. That was Simon Neal reading the text to The Vagabond, the first song of the Songs of Travel. Rafe Form Williams. We must call him Rafe. Okay, just, him and Ralph. actually, just before we started, you said something about Scottish. So do I have to read this with a Scottish accent? <laughs> oh, please no. <laughs> no, when I read that, I was thinking that when I was younger, and I think a lot of people, and a lot of English people do, we're not very good with rolling our R's naturally. I mean, you either do it or you don't. Right. And so even now, my sp normal speaking voice, mm -hmm. I tend not to do it. When I'm on my full support as a singer, I do it because I've learned how to do it. Right. But naturally, as a, as a speaker, I d tend not to do it. But although I read it without that, there are a lot of places in this where I'm going to roll the R or flick an R. Bread, I dip in the river, there, for example, like that. Lots of places that we'll talk about. Okay. Yeah. Before I forget, you had also another big pet peeve. We like to talk about our pet peeves, apparently, over lunch today. Um, and one of them was the sound... Ooh, the closed ooh sound, the lowercase u. Yeah, well, my sort of background that I sang in a church choir, an English sort of church choir when I was a boy. Mm -hmm. And we were always singing, you know, happy birthday to you. <laughs> and it was always to you. I remember my singing teacher, there's a song um, from Camelot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If ever I would leave you. And I would go with that and he'd go, ooh, what do you do? I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> You know, not you, it's you. <laughs> so I'm, I have a pet thing that I don't want to give to me the life I love. I want to give to me. Give sure. to me. Yeah. As you would say, as I would say it. I don't want it to be, again, affected, right. precious. Right. I want to give to me. I don't want it to be over, I don't know, kissy shaped. To <laughs> me. I don't want that. Well, I guess that's what I'm watching you do when you say the ooh as opposed to saying the ooh. Yeah. It's just that the lips are not coming out as far. I don't want them coming out. and You're not, you're not kissing anyone. You're singing a song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what we did talk about earlier was the importance in, in this song. You know how it starts with this sort of choppy, um, um, sort of marching in, a, in, your, in your mud boots or Wellington boots. Mm. And I always think that. It's not going to be like a drudge. It's got to keep moving, but it's got to have that forward momentum all the time. And I think this, when you're singing those um, triplets, he writes in that C minor at the start. Right. So it's got to da 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 da. So you have to have that get to the love and then dot dot dot. Right. But it's got to be give to me the life I love. Let the lathe go. And then I really need lots of let the lathe go by me. I need lots of constants there in the line. In the line, yeah. always in the line. But it's not give to me. It's, it's got to be very legato, but lots of text. Yeah, because actually, if, if you think about it, the piano is already giving you the rhythm. The piano's doing that for you. You don't You've need got to, be, to do that. The piano is 
the squelching mud down in the field. Exactly. You're, you're, you've got to be on top of the mud, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere exactly. in this field, are you? You're going to be stuck in the mud. Exactly. And you mustn't sing it like you're stuck in the mud. Yeah. And I would use a bit of a j on jolly. Yeah, a strong j. A strong j. Give the jolly, give the jolly. Give. That's where you want to go to. Give the jolly heaven above yeah. and heaven. 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 Yeah, and that one he doesn't, heaven, it doesn't have the second syllable exactly. Yeah. He wants it one syllable, heaven. Heaven. Exactly. And actually, the next line is one that, that is not so easy to say. By way, nigh. Yeah, and I also want the D on the and. And the. I might not have done it when I said it, but I, because I don't, sometimes when you speak it doesn't sound as good, but because of the ba 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 in the way it's written, mm-hmm. you need and the by way, nigh, and the by way, nigh, me. Yeah. Yeah? As long as it's crisp and clean. Yep. Then it's not going to be and uh, the way. I don't want that. Of course not. Right. But, but if you've got if your direction's in the right and you're disciplined, then it's not going to be a problem. Exactly. One of the other things we had talked about was the word O apostrophe E R would mean something different than the words O R, but basically rhymes. So we have sooner or late, or we have let what will be or me. I'd heard a couple of recordings where they sort of flicked that R at the end of it or because it's yeah. Now, whether they've done that because Stevenson was a Scottish poet and that would maybe work in the context of, the, of it being a Scottish-based poem, yeah. it can, and the Scots would probably flick the R on the end of that, mm-hmm. they were saying it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it matters if you give it a little flick. I don't know what I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But before I get that, can we go back to just the first verse? Sure. Because again, if I say it again as a singer, then I'm gonna, I want to see that bed in the bush, bed in the, I want the D on the bed. Bed in the bush with stars to see. And I really want a nice open R. And no R at no, all. No, I don't want to think about it. What, how, when you say no R at all, what do you mean? Uh, uh, because as, as foreigners, people see that R and they think that we, as English-speaking people, say stars. Ah, okay, no. But when I, stars. we say stars. Yeah, and, it, and the R vowel carries straight to the stars to, to the see. To the voice S, to the Z the voice, sound. Yeah. And then I roll the R and I roll the R on, on the bread. I dip in the, and I probably flick it on the river as well. On the river? Yeah. And then there's a life for a man like me. And one of the things, what we spoke about earlier was is where, where the L goes of life. Yeah. So there's the life. And again, I want to, the word life for me is an R vowel again. Mm-hmm. Forever. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Would you flip it between forever or would you separate them as a slight order forever? There's the life forever. Because you've got it, it, it drops down, doesn't it? It goes exactly. down from a, what, a B flat down to a C or something. I don't know. If you do a little tiny, a tiny little separation, that's okay. Mm-hmm. What I don't want is there's the life forever. Because mm-hmm. you mustn't feel like you've just fallen off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. And you also don't want to hear forever. We don't want that. <laughs> And and when he writes, it's going down in pitch. But the but the word is there's a life forever. Dot 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 dot. Because yeah. we're going into the second verse. Exactly. So don't just t- fall off the end of the world just because it's dropped down a, an interval. Exactly. You know, you would have some people who would say to you, "I want ever," and they want to stress, and then they want the er uh, to be less. I'm I'm not one of those uh-huh. people really. I want you to sing through to the end of the phrase and. You know, actually, it was an American guy who's. I, I remember when I was a businessman years ago, going on a um, course about self-help type things. Mm-hmm. Great guy called Lou Tice. He used to talk about goal setting, and he used to say, "You have to goal set through, not to." So, at the end of the phrase, the goal in this situation is not to get to ever. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get past ever, mm-hmm. mentally and with your flow. So you have to think there's the life forever, dot, 
dot, dot, dot, give it over to everybody else, give it back to the pianist and then take it again. Not ever, oh dear, that's me finished now, can I just have a little break before the second verse? It's not, I'm writing this letter for this long, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm going to say, uh, and then I'm going to stop after three beats. Because it, it says so. Because uh, Vaughn Williams, Rafe Vaughn Williams, wrote it that way and said, oh, it's three beats long and then I stop. It's, it's got to sound natural, it's got to sound like you intended it to be something mm. like that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, if, if I do have a note like that at the end of the phrase, doing a diminuendo on it, particularly. Because mm-hmm. the danger with all those sort of things is you do that and you come off your body and off the line. If the composer wrote a diminuendo and it was intentional, but there again, it's a colour and it's not, it's not a decibel level. Yeah, it's not a decibel. You have to ask, why did he write? What does he want? What reason does he write that particular dynamic, that particular crescendo, that particular tempo? What is he trying to achieve? Yeah. And you have to work that out. I mean, you have to try and think, okay, well, what's, what's, what's he getting there? It's not about, we talked about this at lunch, not about a scale of 1 to 10, and my forte, fortissimo is at 10, and my PPP is at 1, mm-hmm. and I have a grade of uh, dynamics in between that. It's not about that. Right. It's about finding the truth in the text, finding out what the composer wants, and why, if he writes... Something louder than something else. Why is he doing that? Exactly. Because that will affect the colour of your voice and the way you're actually singing the song. Exactly. And helps you with the meaning of the song. These guys aren't idiots. No, or they wouldn't still be around. They wouldn't still be around. We wouldn't still be singing the stuff. Exactly. There's plenty of composers who were idiots and we're not, st- we're not singing their stuff. Exactly. In the middle of the second verse, we get another set of O's that don't rhyme at all. Wealth I seek not. And I, would, I need the K of seek. Hope. Now, I really need a bit of a... Hope on we that. We need a lot of H. A lot of H on that. Hope nor love. And especially, I think, if you're on a stage, because an H is a lousy consonant. You can't be open or love. Exactly. And the other thing I can say is the next line, nor a friend to know me. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful because Nora is a girl's name in English. So you don't want to sing nor a friend. Mm-hmm. It's got to be separated. It's got to be nor a friend. Mm-hmm. So I do need that to be separated. Yeah. We don't want Nora. And again, there I'll be rolling the R on the, on the word friend, probably flicking friend. it. Yeah, nor a friend to know mm-hmm. me. And then again, all I seek the heaven above. And I would allied that. I wouldn't say heaven above. I'd probably go through then, heaven above, like we did at the start. Yeah. And I like the all, all. That's a tough one for Americans because we want to say all. Uh-huh. So for us in, to realise this is a British composer yeah. with a Scottish oh. text is oh. But again, it's about singing about not bringing the L in too early. You know, we spoke about it in German with that all. Oh, the, 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 we in Northern English L. have this back L. All, oh, all oh, like that. It's going to be all. Oh. If you think the double L, that's probably not going to be enough. And those, those are the kinds of words that I think thinking like a diction geek is important. Because if we actually think all... Oh, the tongue automatically comes up the second you think of an L. Yeah. So you have to really Don't think, think oh. You know, L's are, L's are tricky. <laughs> They're really nasty. They are tricky. And uh, one of the secrets to it is, uh, is concentrate on the vowel. Make, yeah. the, make your priority the vowel. Yeah. And think more the constant rather than, than actually, actually doing that. it. Yeah. Exactly. Because actually it'll come out. Yeah. Or let autumn fall on me. Or. And it, or, mm-hmm. or, or let, let autumn, and again, or let autumn. With a T and a stop. Yeah, and you could do, you can do it, or let or it doesn't work as well. You've got to do a little stop. And or let, because it's, autumn is a quite an important word. Now, 
or let autumn, and it's important in this context. I mean, Vaughan Williams writes a completely different key change and a time change and whole tempo and everything. Exactly. But, but, but Stevenson also makes a change here in this, in this particular verse. It's the only verse that really is a different verse from the other three a little yeah. bit. So, or let autumn fall on me, where I feel thy... And the, this is a lovely word, linger. Yeah. And I like the, to use the NG there. I do too. And, and yeah. I wanted, I, it's actually a word, this and finger were two words that I wanted to point out for foreign singers because in most languages we think of German where it's finger, hunger, we would mm. never say g at the end of it. But we need the n and then we the g. Where I feel I linger. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you can really sing that n and it's a nice yeah. thing, it's a good thing for your voice too. Yeah. Well, and because of that, you're actually lingering on the on the and you, and so, so you're painting it by, by yeah. lingering on it, yeah. <laughs> and we actually get that mm sound a lot, silencing, Silencing, and, and you sing it, sing on it. I would say, silencing the bird on tree. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I really want, the, you got to bite the biting. Biting, and it really is a strong b. Yeah. You know, in the whole song, he uses a lot of alliteration. Mm-hmm. Biting the blue, biting the blue. Yeah. You've got to have that going. And then finger, finger. Yeah. White as meal. The, and again, I'm going to roll the R on frosty. Frosty? Yeah, because of the way it's written in the song, it works very well. And you, and you can do a lot of S. Yeah. Frosty feeling. Yeah, really like that, yeah. really sharp. Because it makes it feel colder. Yeah, it's got to have that sort of feeling. Yeah. yeah. White as meal, the frosty field. And then as a contrast to warm the fires, warm the fireside haven. Yeah, because then we get that warmth of the, the that yeah. towel and everything. I mean, the too. word warm is a sort of warm word. Yeah. Again, we want the word autumn because it's a very defiant moment of the song. Yeah. Now, there's another word we have to think is yield. Exactly. Which is a tricky word as well. When you think about it, we have a ton of vowels in a row in that sense that I yield. Yeah, not autumn will I and, and we don't want I yield. We don't want the yield to get in the way of that, really. Right. That's very important that it doesn't come off the why we, we don't we send <laughs> up sign we're playing a Jew's harp or something. <laughs> you know, it's got to not to autumn will I yield. And I, the I is important there. Yeah. So I think I would actually in the phrase when I'm singing it, I'm gonna pick out the I. Yeah. So not to autumn will I yield. And then I'm going for the E of yield. Yeah. Exactly. The, so that, we're from the R to the E and then the Yeah, and I'm getting and I'm, I'm gonna go through it the Y quickly. Yeah. And then not to win. And I think, and here, but this in the context of this song, is it come, you have a big ritardando there, I think, mm-hmm. don't you? you have not yeah, you to win. So we'll see that ooh of the, the glide there, that ooh winter. Yeah. No, and it's part of the journey. So it's like your shadow bow a little bit, you're doing using it to get into the winter. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, because of that, the two in that sense can be a little more ooish. Yeah. To, to winter. Yeah. Too winter, not too wind, not too much too winter, because <laughs> it doesn't work. Because you, 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 you've gone, you. For me, by saying it like that, you've taken the voice out of its slot, and I don't want you to do that. I want you to keep it all in the same position. So not too winter, not too winter, not too win, not too, not. Am I doing two T's? You are not too. Not too win. I think two T's. Yeah. Not too winter. Not, yeah, two T's. Yeah. And then this last verse, you know, in the song can't separate the two, the sort of the songs from, from the, the words. Yeah, diction, from the diction for the music, because it's, <laughs> it's all part of the same thing. Right. You know, he goes back to that same sort of bomb, bomb thing, but he writes it very, very, as a pianissimo. Yeah. So I need lots and lots and lots of consonants and lots of energy. Yeah. It takes a lot of patience to, un- to understand that when you sing pianissimo, 
you need to double the energy and think more space and think bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of counterintuitive. You think, okay, when I'm going to sing pianissimo this, I should have shut down. But no, 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 no. You have to do it the absolutely the other way. It's like sort of Samson pushing down the, the walls of the temple. We, can, we tend to come, come into us and think we're being more, more artistic by doing that. And we're not being more artistic by doing that. Right. We're actually becoming too selfish and, and it doesn't get across. Exactly. And because of that, then actually cutting in the consonants, biting on the consonants a little bit, will get the voice to come out without, yeah. you having, to, without having to make more sound in the vowels. And yes. then, then you'll get the impression of the piano across, but we'll still understand the text. Absolutely. Of course, the only difference between the last verse and the second verse is the fact that instead of seeking wealth, or not seeking wealth rather, we're not asking for it this time in the exactly. last verse. We're not seeking the heaven above, we're asking for the, for the heaven above. Yeah. And again, notice from my accent that I will say asking rather than asking, which mm-hmm. in, I guess in the southern part of England you'll be saying asking. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because yeah. I think I have heard people sing all I ask as a British person, you're probably from where you come from. Yeah. And so I, th- I don't think either of them are particularly wrong. All I ask... Yeah, but what do you say in the States? Do you say, would you say ask. ask, you do? We would always say yeah. ask. But, but definitely in, in southern England, you would be definitely saying ask. And here, when, when we have to do the... Uh, so the, the wealth, I, I, I need to separate that. Wealth, I ask, I ask not. Yes. I definitely you need to separate that. Mm-hmm. Hope Nora, Nora again. She's still in Nora friend. She, Nora friend. She's still here. <laughs> and then all I ask the heaven above and the road below me. Simon is absolutely right when he says the pianissimo equals double the space and energy. It's easy to drop energy when we get soft because we mistake energy for volume but it actually takes more energy and more consonants to sing softly, not less. Remember this, too, if you decide to mark in a rehearsal. I've seen people who are tired actually make themselves more tired by marking without keeping their support going. When you're feeling vocally tired, that's exactly the time when the body needs to work harder so that the voice doesn't have to work at all. Another way of tiring ourselves out is by trying to take the rhythm of the song into the voice. In this song specifically, the piano gives a very strong, steady rhythm, so you don't need to be rhythmic with your voice. Ride the legato and allow the accompaniment to create the rhythm for you. I received a few emails from English diction teachers last week, and all of them were sad that Simon and I had not discussed ours, so I hope we made up for that a little bit this week. Notice that in words like stars and warm, There's no R sound at all. The R is understood without any phonetic value, so we don't need any stars or warm in the vowel. And remember that Stevenson wrote this in the 19th century, and von Williams published this in 1905. So since it was all before 1920, we can use the historic received pronunciation, which gives us license to use the rolled and flipped R's as Simon was doing at the beginnings of words or in combination with another consonant. Now, I went back and looked at Jason Nadecki's PDF on the treatment of R's in English diction, and he says it's better generally to flip, otherwise the text can sound too Scottish. But here we have the text written by a Scotsman. So Simon and we have the right to roll friend and bread as much as we want. In the last episode, we talked about the Y at the ends of words like 20, 50, and 70, saying that 
Although when we speak it, it sounds like an E, and you'll find it transcribed as that lowercase phonetic I in dictionaries, in lyric diction, we transcribe this sound as a capital I. But when we sing, the final Y sound is somewhere between a closed and an open I. We find this phenomenon again in the words jolly and frosty. I had a very fun email from Jan McDaniel, who along with his wife Catherine teaches English diction at the Bass School of Music at Oklahoma City University. He was lamenting the fact that there's no phonetic letter to truly transcribe this sound. But Catherine has a word for it, the schwi, S-C-H-W-I. I think it's the perfect way to describe it because it's a neutral, unstressed I sound. So, thank you so much to Jan and Catherine McDaniel for giving us all the schwi. We have another schwi in the unstressed prefix be, as we find here in before and below. Even though this prefix might be just a little more open than those final y's, we can still include them under the schwi category as an unstressed i somewhere between open and closed. In his colloquial accent, Simon says ask, the same way I say ask in American, with a phonetic A-E sound. But technically, this should be, as he said later, a broad dark ah, ask. There are words with the A, the A-E sound, that are the same in American Standard and in British Received Pronunciation, and we call these the hand words. But there are also words that shift from a phonetic A-E to the dark ah, and these, logically enough, Madeline Marshall labeled ask words. For a PDF with lists of common hand and ask words, look for Jason Nadecki's worksheet on pronunciation shifts in singing that's posted on the blog page. Simon mentioned two specific letters that English speakers often have trouble with. Getting the L to flip at the front of the mouth rather than using the back of the tongue. And rolling the R's. You heard in the word all, all, how quickly the L wants to swallow up the vowel. And I agree with Simon. The trick here is to never think of the consonant. The tongue will automatically rise into position long before you want it to if you have that L in mind at all. So specifically think, ah, and then just lift the tip of the tongue, ah. As for rolling R's, if you want extra help with that, check out episodes 48 and 49, where Zilke Kurpius led us through a series of tongue exercises to strengthen and train those muscles. And that's all for today. Next week's episode will be on Baroque and Medieval French, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, to find out more about Simon Neal, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave comments on iTunes and post or tweet about it on Twitter or Facebook so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.